welcome to this Colcast where we discuss innovation, disruption, and important trends in law and technology. I'm your host, Robert Hilson of Logical, and I'm pleased to be joined today by Bobby Basile, Managing Director at HBR Consulting. HBR just released a report on e-discovery trends and strategies within law firms, uh, and Bobby was good enough to join me today to discuss it. Uh, Bobby, thanks a lot for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Um, so uh, among the report's major findings are that uh, a majority of law firms, or, or close to a majority, are uh, A, uh, they, they view the ability to provide e-discovery services as important to firm growth, um, and B, uh, to that end, are bringing e-discovery services in-house. Um, can you kind of uh, touch on that finding a little bit and then some of the other major findings uh, of your report? Certainly. Several of the firms that we surveyed indicated that they are providing the full spectrum of e-discovery services in-house, primarily being delivered by the law firm's resources as opposed to outsourcing or relying upon vendors. The one exception to that is in the collection area, which is primarily being delivered by vendors. Um, however, um, there were a couple of firms that indicated they do have in-house capabilities to, um, to deliver collection services. That said, many of the firms that were part of our survey are very large firms that have been in the business of delivering e-discovery services for quite a long time and have already significantly invested in their ability and infrastructure in terms of um, capital investments and technology and human resources to deliver those services. So given the, the uh, magnitude of firms that participated in our survey, it was not that much of a surprised that they are able to provide the full spectrum in-house. I think that's a reflection of the demographics of the participants and firms that are not quite as heavily invested as the firms that participated in the survey are looking at other alternatives, um, more of a hybrid model between insourcing and outsourcing or potentially um, using managed review services as part of their uh, delivery capabilities. Well, and so I wanted to ask you more about the composition of these respondents, it sounds like they were mostly uh, large, very large firms. Um, tell me, is that the case? And, and also tell me uh, how many how many uh, law firms did you actually survey for this? The survey was in response to a request that we had from a global firm that asked us to provide them a current state of affairs as it relates to their peer firms um, in the delivery of e-discovery services. So we specifically targeted very large firms and um, we had 15 participants. The survey was delivered over a period of uh, a two-week period, so it was very targeted, focused, and quick survey, um, and primarily directed toward large global firms. 11 of the 15 were AMLA 200 firms, and 9 of the 15 are global 100 firms. So yes, the demographics focus specifically on very large firms. Okay, and Bobby, you mentioned uh, early on that uh, these firms are relying on their inter internal resources uh, to provide these e-discovery services. Um, does that does that include managed services? Where, and what I mean by managed services, um, a law firm will rely on a vendor to uh, essentially drop all its software and hardware on the firm's premises, and then they they might um, the vendor might also provide some kind of uh, consulting services. Um, was, was that the case, or when you say uh, internal resources, is this firms actually building these e-discovery services from scratch? As it relates to the firms that participated in our survey, it's the firms 
themselves that are delivering it, not via a, a managed services or vendor provided okay. services. That said, as I as I mentioned, the firms that are not quite of the caliber and size and the historical investment of the ones that participated in the survey, from the conversations that I have had um, with other firms, it does seem to be that m many firms are either in the process or are considering um, the type of arrangement that you mentioned. Okay, interesting. Um, it, your survey found that revenue from e-discovery services met or exceeded 93% uh, of respondents' expectations. That was really interesting to me. Um, and 64% of the respondents uh, reported year-over-year -year growth. Um, what did you make of that? I think it's a very positive reflection of the market, and I, I believe that that is um, uh, an indicator that the e-discovery and litigation support needs within law firms are, is very strong and is not going away. Um, I thought, thought it was a very positive development and uh, reflection, especially for those of us who make our living in, in e-discovery. Um, I think that it, it is an indication that the, the revenue um, that e-discovery and the delivery of litigation support services is positively contributing to the revenue of the firms in a very strong way that it's important for firms to continue to invest in the uh, e-discovery and litigation support capabilities of the firm. And our survey did indicate that uh, the majority, vast majority of firms are making e-discovery a strong um, focus for spending over this coming year and have uh, dedicated significant amount of budget to the delivery of e-discovery services. Um, so it, it seems to me like, kind of depending on uh, who you talk to or the, the resource you consult, um, you'll either see that you know law firms are are bringing uh, e-discovery services in-house, like this report indicates. Um, you know, sometimes you'll see that uh, those the, the mid-sized and smaller firms will outsource e-discovery, um, and then you also see trends that say that you know these large corporations are also bringing. Um, these e-discovery services in-house. So we just reported recently on this uh, Norton Rose Fulbright litigation trend survey. Um, and again, one of the major findings of that, and this was, uh, you know, large billion-dollar type corporations, that, that they are also bringing e-discovery services in-house, um, which seems to kind of conflict with this trend that you're seeing, which is that, that law firms are also doing this. So how do you kind of, um, what do you make of those two kind of conflicting trends? Sure, it's a little bit difficult to reconcile, but I think that the the reflection that we're seeing is that absolutely corporations, large corporations, have taken matters into their own hands to develop their own programs and to negotiate preferred provider programs or to even deliver some of the services in-house to um, cut down on costs. And actually, we did a survey in November of 2014 of about 50 corporations around e-discovery. And they did indicate uh, a vast majority, I think it was 69%, indicated that the, they are making cost containment around e-discovery a focus for this coming year, for 2015. So the, the clients are certainly not sitting idle on this. And in our, our survey to the law firms, we did ask a question around the adoption of the firm's e-discovery services and what percentage of clients are directing the acquisition of services. And the finding was a bit interesting there because it appears that there's two camps that formed. One, who, uh, firms whose clients rarely direct the procurement of e-discovery services and firms whose clients frequently direct the acquisition of e-discovery services. 
And as we did our follow-up discussions with the participants, it really indicated a reflection of the firm's demographics of their client base. The firms that have a strong client base in the industries that are historically litigious, you know, pharma, financial services, and chemicals, those kinds of things, have clients who have already um, done a significant amount of effort to identify preferred providers, have developed their own e-discovery programs and relationships, and direct the procurement of e-discovery services. The firms whose clients um, are not in those in, in those industries, and of course there's crossover, but primarily speaking, um, are, are not seeing their clients directing e-discovery uh, services. That said, when we asked the follow-up question of uh, whether or not firms are seeing the percentage of clients selecting the e-discovery providers increasing, decreasing, or staying the same from prior years, 54% um, said they're seeing this increasing year over year. So the trend is that more clients are getting more heavily involved in the procurement of e-discovery services and, and directing those services. That's interesting. So do you think it's the case that these big law firms are developing uh, in-house e-discovery capabilities uh, because their clients are putting pressure on them to, to do that? Um, or is it the case that uh, you know their clients were going outside or somewhere else to, to perform e-discovery um, and in response to that, they're they're building these in-house uh, services to try and to try to take some of that business. I actually think that the the firms that have already heavily invested in the e-discovery infrastructure is more of a uh, a perpetual motion business plan. Mm -hmm. But that said, you know revenue is still strong, and they're still making money delivering it, and their clients are still uh, requesting those services, and it's important to the strategy of the firm. So for those firms who've already heavily invested in it, um, it makes sense to maintain those services in-house. And the reasons that um, were reported around why they're continuing their strategy around maintaining those services in-house has a lot to do with mitigating risk and controlling the full e-discovery life cycle. And many of the firms have uh, did report in the follow-up discussions that they have um, at various points in their history outsourced various aspects and have had challenges with that and brought it back in. So it's really um, a, an effort to manage the risks um, as it relates to the various aspects of the delivery of the services and being able to control the full experience that their attorneys have and the quality around it. Okay, huh. So in addition to revenue um, and risk, which is a big one you just mentioned, um, what is your sense of why law firms you surveyed are, are wanting to bring e-discovery in-house? I mean, I, I guess, you know, cost and risk are, are two obviously big ones. Are there any other reasons? Sure, absolutely. I mean, it's easy to get lost in the, the um, bits and bytes of e-discovery and think of it as a technical challenge and a, a technical delivery of services, but at the end of the day, it's really the um, evaluation of the evidence to support or defend your client's case. So it is certainly integral to the delivery of high-quality legal services to be able to have those services in-house and to be able to manage and, and, um, and serve the full life cycle there. 
Um, and, and Bobby, I should mention that you were uh, the main author and, and researcher on this report, um, and, and you did a fantastic job, by the way. Um, I, I wanted to know, and, and you had several follow-up conversations after you did this report as well, um, what was your sense of the overall kind of satisfaction of these firms, uh, of their own internal um, capabilities to perform discovery? Uh, was, were, was the was satisfaction generally uh, high? Well, thank you for the compliment first. Sure. <laughs> and second, as it relates to your specific question, yes, I think the satisfaction is high. Um, you know, that being said, there's satisfaction in, in a couple of different ways. I mean, from the business model perspective, you know, they're generating strong revenue and it's important to the firm and they're continuing to invest. So that all indicates the satisfaction is high. The other aspect, though, is satisfaction from the internal user base, which um, to me, as I was um, conducting the survey and, and having the follow-up conversations, it was a bit of a surprise to me that the firms are not actually measuring their own internal satisfaction from the law firm partners or providing feedback or establishing any sort of baselines around adoption to gauge whether or not they uh, there's opportunity to um, increase revenue by increasing adoption um, and, and or um, gauging whether or not their internal um, law firm partners understand the full scope of services that the internal e-discovery and litigation support teams can provide. So I think that's one opportunity and idea um, that that the firms can can embrace is establishing some baselines around how many firm how many of the the partners or opportunities there are for um, capturing more revenue to um, from the partners who are engaging external service providers and increasing their internal adoption rates. That, that's kind of amazing to me that these law firms are investing so heavily uh, in e-discovery and yet they're not really, to, to, to hear you describe it, they're not only really tracking their success. Um, what are the reasons for that? Do, do you know? You know, I'm not really sure other than, um, you know, obviously it's hard to survey and, and, and gather right. objective feedback because folks are so busy. So I think that's part of it, and you know I think that it is an idea and an opportunity, and, and something that we can support as well in helping measure that. Um, and you know I also think it's around understanding. There's information to be gathered that can help form the strategy going forward, and understanding if attorneys are opting to use providers that are outside of the firm's offerings. You know why is that? Is it a function of deadlines, um, service level expectations, perhaps, as far as not having the availability of, of resources or support during the times that they need? Um, is it volumes and deadlines? Is it specific technology that they're looking for, capabilities? So I think that is something that is um, an opportunity for, for firms to perhaps consider. Bobby, can you speak to the various ways that firms are billing for their in-house e-discovery services? <laughs> well, I can just sum it up by saying it's all over the board. <laughs> so there just does seem to be an opportunity or an area, I should say, where there isn't a lot of consistency. Um, there seems to be a smattering of um, hourly billing, unit billing, and flat fee billing. And I think it probably depends upon the individual client and the firm and the specific circumstances. But I would say that there's generally not um, some consensus across the industry around how firms are billing for their services, and I think that is an area that everybody is is trying to figure out what's the right answer there. 
And to go back to the uh, the Norton Rose uh, litigations trend surveys of, of corporations, um, again, one of the major findings there is that those respondents were uh, demanding uh, alternative fee arrangements and specifically flat fee arrangements uh, from their their law firm counsel. Um, did you see a, an, an uptick there in alternative fee arrangements or, or flat fee billing? No, we didn't measure that specifically in the survey. But as I spoke with with um, the individual members from the uh, the firms and the participants, they all indicated that it is an area that they're being asked more and more to quantify, and that's one of the challenges because there isn't a lot of easy ways right now to report and metrics and to measure cost of delivering services for an in-house e-discovery or litigation support team. So I think that that is an area where there's a lot of opportunity and uh, to help firms and, and for firms to gather metrics in specific circumstances and cases so that they can quantify how much it actually costs to deliver the e-discovery services, which will make it um, easier for them to come up with these flat fee arrangements that both work in the client's interest as well as allow them to um, maintain some profit. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, before we go, I mean, we, we would be remiss if we did not uh, discuss predictive coding. Uh, and so another major finding uh, of, of your survey was that TAR adoption is accelerating, no surprise there. Um, what is your sense, though, of these firms' satisfaction with their internal uh, technology assistance review or, or predictive coding experiences? Well, this is an interesting area because um, the metrics of the survey indicate that um, the firms that have not already adopted or have the capability, I should say, of technology-assisted review are planning to this year in 2015. So by the end of 2015, 100% of the firms indicated they're going to have technology-assisted review or computer-assisted review technology and services available to their client base. But as I was having the follow-up conversations, not unsurprisingly, um, they indicated that there's varying levels of actual adoption within the firms. And what was reported in the conversations was that the uh, use of technology-assisted review in its broadest sense as it relates to email threading, near dupe, the types of functionality that makes the review uh, more efficient and um, facilitates the prioritization of review is being, is being embraced and adopted. Um, it's not being used universally as it relates to using the technology to replace the decision-making of relevance on documents. So right now we're seeing, you know, we're seeing um, mixed adoption, I would say. And it, it, there has been um, instances, and, and all the firms indicated that they have had instances where they've uh, either because the client request or the deadlines of the case or the volume of the case necessitated using the more advanced computer-assisted review, um, it's not being widely adopted as a, as a default. It's, it's still the exception and not the rule. That's interesting. And, and Bobby, we've been talking to a couple of our clients that also use uh, outside vendors, um, and they've started to use predictive coding in some instances too. And um, one of the things that we're seeing is that you know, a lot of these these organizations are, are going into the predictive coding experience, kind of viewing it as, you know, an easy button or the silver bullet or, you know, name your cliche. Um, and what they're finding is that, you know, a lot of times the, the upfront costs are, are a, a lot more 
um, daunting than they, you know, originally expected. And it takes kind of a, you know, a, a few go-arounds to, to kind of get your workflow down and to make your predictive coding platform and, and decisions pay off. Sure. I think it's one of those areas where there is an opportunity for some expertise and guidance for those that have um, spent some time doing this. It is, you know, it is something that absolutely requires a little bit more forethought and planning on the front end. And, I, and you know, as I indicated in the survey report, I think this is, is an area where the firms have an opportunity to really differentiate themselves with their competition by elevating their sophistication and their ability to advise clients on how to defensively apply these methodologies um, during the review stages, but also upstream during the preservation and collection stages. I'm really taking a, you know, a, a, a lens, if you will, of the client lens of looking to contain costs and to uh, refine the entire e-discovery experience so that it is targeted from the beginning and is focused on um, illuminating from the collections the documents that have the highest likelihood of being relevant as early as possible in the process to reduce the amount of noise that, that goes into the process of e-discovery. So I think this is an opportunity for firms to really sh um, shine those that have expertise in this area that have done this before and to differentiate themselves because as you said, you know, a lot of the firms and a lot of the attorneys are sort of babes in the woods because this is newer technology, at least it is newer in technology and the application to document review. So I think this does present a good opportunity for law firms um, who choose to embrace this to differentiate themselves and to really show their clients that this is something that they have invested in and have expertise in, and particularly as it relates to the legal decisions of how to defensively apply it. Well, Bobby, as I said, this is a, a really excellently written uh, and researched report, and uh, I want to thank you again for being here. Um, before we go, I mean, is there anything else that we didn't cover uh, that, that you want to touch on or any surprise findings? I think that the biggest surprise finding was really around the, you know, the fact that firms are, are unfortunately in a position to not be able to effectively measure their costs of delivering e-discovery services in a way that would facilitate allowing them to um, create innovative pricing models. Um, and also, you know, I, I was a little bit um, a little bit surprised that we don't have a wider adoption of computer assisted or technology assisted review as it really relates to coding documents. All right, well we'll uh We'll bring you back a year from now and see if, uh, if anything has changed. Um, but again, Bobby, thanks a lot for joining us. It's been a, a real pleasure. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.